Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, Australia's borders are now open, so one of the most frenetic marketing teams in the country right now must be the crew at Tourism Australia. We've got CMO Susan Coggle here at Beamy Inn for this fast conversation and update on what levers are being pulled to woo back in the international market. Right now, it looks like the VFR segment, visiting friends and families, is what the tourism industry has to bank on, while the leisure market is possibly still six months away from kicking. TA has a huge in-house content division, a large-scale customer data platform and customer experience investment in play, and no doubt TA's media agency UM and creative shop MNC Saatchi will be deploying their preset plans with Velocity. So what are we telling the world, where and across what channels? And what changed when TA got the signals that border walls were coming down? Susan Coggle has all the answers, I suspect. So welcome back, Susan. Good to talk to you. Firstly, I I guess, you know, two things. Uh, What happened for the TA marketing team when it knew international uh, inbound travel was coming back? The sprint was on, I imagine. And have you slept? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, look, as soon as we got word that the borders were going to be opening, we kicked into high gear. Um, yes, we have slept. Um, to be honest, we were look, we were anticipating that the borders were going to be open, opening. We started um, back in November or so with Singapore. And, you know, that obviously got uh, kind of put on hold with the whole Omicron situation. But nonetheless, you know, we, we were keeping an eye on the news. Um, we were anticipating that we would be opening, hopefully in the first few months of the year. So we had done a bit of background work. We had done a bit of campaign development, a bit of strategizing. We had teams kind of on notice that we would need to brief and need to move quickly. Um, we didn't get a lot of notice, to be honest. You know, we sort of found out same day that it was that it was happening. Oh, really? You're not special. You weren't special. You didn't get a heads up. We did not, unfortunately. No, wow, we didn't. Right. No. But again, look, we were able to stand up plans, stand up creative, um, and we were able to brief our teams and market. What we did um, do, however, is we went and looked for high profile media placements to take advantage of that um, of that media moment when the attention would be on Australia. So we went and got Picc- um, outdoor in London and Piccadilly. We got outdoor in New York and Times Square, for example. Um, we went and we uh, got a TV spot uh, in the LA area um, on the night of the Super Bowl, uh, between the Super Bowl and um, and the Olympics, um, just to, again, take advantage of the time when everybody was on heightened awareness. And, you know, again, in one of our biggest markets, one of our gateway markets. And we just felt it was so important to be um, uh, live and loud and present in market, not only for consumers, but also, quite honestly, for our our trade partners in market as well. You know, they've been waiting um, patiently for two years for us to to open, and we just felt that they needed to see a show of confidence from us and a show of force. So, yeah, we, we really ran at it. So Times Square, Piccadilly, LA, those billboards, they just said, uh, Australia's open. What did you say? Come and say good day. You know, uh, now welcoming visitors from February 21st. You know, we want to be very specific. You know, our doors are open. We want you to, to book and we want you to come down and, you know, experience our wonderful country as soon as you can. 
it was by design a very simple announcement oriented uh, warm and welcome using you know using our using Skippy using our um, kangaroo as a as a brand code. Again, we are so lucky as a country to have such an iconic and adored animal um, that you know again we just wanted to get to to leverage all of those things to to bring Australia back top of mind with consumers. So what are, I mean, you probably hinted really that it sounds like it's UK, uh, the US, um, you said Singapore, um, but um, what, what, are the, what are the early markets uh, for, I guess, leisure travel? Maybe we just talk firstly about the visiting families and friends segment. That's early, but is, is, how, was I right on six months for leisure or was I talking out of my nose? You know, look, it's sort of three to six months is the typical sort of lead time to book a big holiday. We're cer- certainly seeing shifts in how people book holidays sort of post-pandemic. They are booking a little closer to travel time, you know, so that they have, uh, you know, perhaps a little more certainty about travel conditions. Um, and we do know that the um, pent-up demand, particularly for VFR, as you say, the visiting friends and relatives, is high, you know, particularly in markets like the U.S. and U.K. Um, and I think most markets, when they reopened after pandemic, they saw that initial spike of, of, of interest in travel. They sort of, um, you know, we kind of started to see them leveling off at sort of 50% capacity or so, you know, in sort of the months that are following. Um, and then they continue that, that growth trajectory. Um, and look, we sort of expect the same um, in Australia, you know, there's no doubt that we are a little further o- away, um, which we do look, we do know from some of our research that in some ways that is a good thing. We're a little further away. We've, we've managed the pandemic in many ways very well compared to some other markets. Um, our out- outdoor lifestyle and culture, you know, whether it is sort of our beaches, our outback, or even our cities with that great outdoor lifestyle is also really appealing at this, at this time in terms of how people want to travel in terms of safety and health for, um, in this post-pandemic world. So just to be clear then, so the, the, the early focus for, for TA internationally is those markets we talked about, the US, UK, is there something else I'm missing? No, 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 look, definitely US and UK, um, also Europe. Um, so we'll be expecting Europe coming back. Uh, look, Japan and Korea will be key markets for us as well. We are conscious at the moment there's still a bit of friction on the other end when people travel back home. Um, I think Japan, though, has just come down to perhaps three days um, home quarantine. South Korea is slowly um, coming down as well. And once those markets um, are, you know, are a little more free and clear on the return visit, we expect um, travel from, um, from from those markets to start to grow again as well. And we will start marketing in earnest in those markets. And certainly in Southeast Asia, um, we're, make, we're developing plans for India as well. So once the borders open to all markets, you know, look, I guess there was a point in time where we thought it was going to be uh, almost a sawtooth sort of uh, reopening where we thought it might be, okay, Singapore, and then, you know, maybe another market and maybe sort of a bit of back and forth between opening and closing with travel lanes. But in fact, look, the government has taken a position about um, opening uh, our borders to fully vaccinated travelers um, across the board. So, um, you know, we are, are going back into our priority markets um, and, and we're starting to, welcome, you know, welcome back as soon as we can. You know, I think we talked last year, it might have been you or one of your colleagues, but there was still, um, you know, a surprising level of interest coming to TA's um, website and content, just people uh, I guess exploring and and staying in touch with oh we could do this when it happens that was a sort of I think I got that right that there was maintained interest uh, is that is that has that held up or what, what what do you think the the what what is the research showing now in terms of interest in Australia yeah interest in Australia has has stayed really high actually and in fact many uh, consideration intent in many of our markets. Um, uh, for out-of-region travelers, which is, of course, the most important uh, segment for us, has stayed incredibly high. And following the announcement of uh, our borders opening, you know, we were seeing sort of, you know, 
150, 175, 180% um, uh, increase in searches. So uh, we work with Forward Keys um, and they uh, they track forward bookings uh, in, um, uh, in travel bookings. And for us, we saw um, searches in Germany were up 183%, the UK up 181%, for example, US up 134%. So there is an, an uh, intense demand for Australia and we're quite confident about being able to convert that into uh, into travellers. What have you been saying? Well, I mean, we'll talk a little bit just quickly about what you've been saying during the lockdown, but what changes now? What switches in your messaging now? And, and, and what is it? Is it brand? Is it like, is it actually getting call to actions and, and doing offers and deals? What happens now? All of the above. So during the pandemic, uh, we felt it was important to stay in touch with consumers, keep the dream of the Australian holiday alive. Um, so showcasing um, different parts of the country, um, showcasing our lifestyle. We did things like Live from Oz, which was our live streaming uh, event, you know, 32 uh, live stream events, I think it was, across the country, coast to coast over the course of one weekend, where we showed amazing tourism experiences, amazing cultural experiences, food and wine, etc. Uh, to our 8D um, um, uh, video series, 8D audio series, which was um, rich audio immersive um, based on the beautiful colors of Australia. Uh, again, a really um, successful content series. We just did another chapter of that um, where we partnered with Flight Facilities, the electronic music duo using one of their tracks, really beautiful piece of content. Um, and we also worked really hard to make sure that our travel agents, our trade around the world was, were uh, very well engaged. So we have something called the Aussie Specialist Program, which is uh, an, an online training program for agents who, who sell Australia. I think in a typical year, we train, I don't know, 30 to 40,000, something like that. Um, during lockdown, that number spiked to something like 80,000 or so. So we you know, put a lot of time and a lot of effort in making sure that agents around the world um, kept up on what was new and what was happening in Australia in anticipation of the borders opening. Now that we have um, gone in, now that we have moved into the the free movement phase, I guess of our of uh, of our recovery, and we're welcoming people back, we have. Um, Basically, I guess, sort of two phases that we're looking at. We're, we are currently in the announcement phase and sort of the tactical reopening phase. There's a bit of brand activity up front. Our Don't Go Small, uh, Go Australia uh, campaign is, has launched in uh, US and UK, and we're starting to roll it out in other markets now. Um, that is supported by partnership activity as well. We've lined up you know, about 150 partners around um, all of our markets, all around all of our 15 markets. So they are actively out there promoting offers and deals to come down um, to Australia as soon as possible. In this phase, we are going to be um, leaning in more to um, our partnerships because we want to make sure that we are capturing that pent-up demand uh, and that we are um, you know, converting, I guess, all of that desire we've tried to maintain over the, the past two years while we've been closed. Let's get those people to book and let's get them to come down. Meanwhile, in the background, not, should not be surprising at all that we are developing really the next chapter of, of There's Nothing Like Australia, the next expression of that. Um, and it's something we've been working on now, you know, probably for nine months or so. And um, we're sort of uh, in the in the production process, building out that um, that narrative and the and the entire launch campaign. And it will be, you know, again in true true TA style. It will be um, highly creative and a surprising way to to tell our brand story. So yeah, we are trying to pull all the levers that we can. And of course, at the same time, you know, we are continuing to focus on our own platforms. We've got an incredibly successful um, social media footprint. Footprint. Give us the numbers there, Susan. What have you got the top line numbers on that? I'm going to say it's something around 16 or 17 million across our various platforms. It's the largest of any um, tourism body in the world, and also probably one of the most highly engaged audiences 
audience as well. And we're also stretching into um, other platforms. We're uh, you know starting to dabble a bit more in TikTok, for example. Um, obviously, our teams in China um, you know use WeChat and have been growing that as a platform as well. Um, so yeah, that's an incredible, incredibly important channel for us. And then, and then look, Australia.com as well, which, you know, we pivoted to make it a much more, uh, domestic focus, uh, site, you know, building out things like a road trip, um, content hub, for example, um, uh, family travel, et cetera, to help Australians travel. You know, we are now going back, working with all of our markets to understand what the, what content needs they have for their individual markets as international visitors start to plan their trip um, down to Australia. So your big brand campaign that will go international, I mean, I guess you say you've been in, in, in you've been in development for this for, for, for eight, nine months. Uh, is it not ready because you had to iterate or you were waiting for what it looks like? Um, so, so or like, I, I guess I guess asking, you know, there's been, um, the opportunity to, to to build and go, you know, straight away when the borders open. Is there a reason why we're not seeing it immediately? And have you had to have you had to hold your hold your powder dry? Uh, look, I think it's just been about um, you know planning the best campaign possible. It's about um, anticipate anticipating when the borders would be open. You know, I think there was a point in time when we all expected, frankly, it would be a little bit later this year. Um, it's a little bit about um, you know finding the opportunity to get out and film in the in the far corners of our country. You know, the, uh, doing a tourism Australia shoot is not a is not a small project. You know, uh, and of course we've got to make sure that it is just amazing, world class um, quality, um, creative and storytelling. On that early activity that you've been doing already, are you getting any signals in terms of what's been the immediate response in terms of people booking and coming down? Like, what are we talking about? I guess the feedback that we've had from our partners has been really strong. We know Qantas saw immediately uh, an immediate spike in bookings out of particularly the US and UK. Strong bookings, I think, through to April, May. Our trade partners in markets um, are incredibly excited about the fact that borders are open and they're starting to uh, see their phones ringing just as um, just as you would expect, I suppose. So yeah, feedback from the markets is really strong. The timing for your big campaign and the rest of the big, the spending started now globally. Uh, does it ramp up in the next three? What does the timeline look like in terms of when the foot really goes to the pedal? Yeah, look, to be honest, we've started spending already in market. You know, we, we again, wanted to take advantage of the media moment um, when the eyes were, were sort of on Australia, uh, on Australia for uh, opening. But we are, um, again, we'll be spending through the end of the financial year. Um, we're looking at rolling out um, something big. I think we've already started talking about it sort of more towards the September time period. Um, and of course, look, as we plan these big openings, it's also a matter of when is it, um, when is it the right moment in market? So when, uh, is it right for our Western markets, for example, after the sort of the post summer holidays? When is it right for our Eastern markets ahead of Chinese New Year planning, et cetera? So we always look at that type of seasonality. What is your spending this FY or this calendar? What does it look like compared to pre COVID uh, levels, Susan? I think the number that's been out is around 40 million across our, uh, our relaunch, our, our, sorry, our reopening tactical campaign that we have happening right now. Um, and we're just working through what the budgets for the brand relaunch will be next year. Uh, and of course, look, it is our prior priority initiative. So we are lining everything up behind that. We need to go out big and we need to go out loud. It would be a, a, an order of the same quantum, the same 40 mil again would, would be in the second half of the calendar? I can't give you an exact number right now, but what I will say is much like the line in our current campaign, we do not intend to go small. We will go big. Australia as a country and as a brand deserves to put investment behind it, um, and we will put all of our might behind uh, the campaign 
to get as many people back down into Australia, visiting this wonderful country and supporting our tourism industry as possible. I know you won't bite, Susan, but I might speculate it might be about the same <laughs> same size as what you've done in the first half, but I don't ask you, I'm not asking you that, I'm just making a <laughs> journalist speculative comment. Now, what about the numbers or the visitor volume expectations for this year uh, versus pre-COVID? What, what, is your, what is your early modelling or what are you expect, expecting here? Look, the modeling is showing that we would expect to get back to 2019 levels uh, sort of in 2024, 2025 or so. So we do have a bit of a road, uh, a long road to go. Um, but again, we are putting everything that we have we have behind it. Um, you know, again, whether it's the VFR segment, whether it's our high yielding traveler segment or even working holiday makers, which are so important to the industry, both in terms of, you know, the travel spend uh, and the, the labor resource that they are for us. You mentioned earlier about your social media channels and your website and what's going to rejig on that. Content, uh, what have you been doing? You know, you've got a big internal content division. You do a lot of it. It's very successful. Um, so what is happening now in terms of the content generation uh, side of the side of the equation? Uh, is there lots coming or w- w- what happens? Is it, lo- is it kind of real time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, a little bit of both. We've spent the last two years investing heavily in our own platforms and develop, uh, developing uh, new content, filling the gap with, it, with certain uh, content pillars that we hadn't um, had in the past. Um, certainly catering to the domestic market, as I mentioned, with road trips. Um, we'll be looking at how we take the work that we've done over the past year or past two years for domestic action, repurposing it for international. Um, you know, we continue, continue to, um, you know, look at the, uh, the data and the insights from our website to understand where our customers are going from each of our international markets as well to understand their content needs. Um, we look at content trends um, across the industry and what people are increasingly interested in. Um, and we continue to build out, um, you know, storytelling, uh, both written and video formats for um, Oz.com. And also we're just working at better integration across our social media platform and across, um, you know, with our PR team and PR program as well. Um, but PR is actually one of our strongest channels. Um, believe it or not, we have managed to still get over 300 million in earned media value over the past two years, or sorry, over the past year. And it was it was sort of a similar number the year before, which I think is phenomenal for a country when our borders are closed. But again, we just, we've got a very experienced and, and very professional PR team that works closely with our content team and social team to uh, to get these stories placed and to, to amplify them. Well, you, you sort of gazumped my, my next question really, Susan, which is what has the channel mix uh, paid media versus your owned and earned channels. Um, what is the sort of the, how do you um, carve up uh, the the efforts and, and budget uh, between those two and what's changing there? So you said PR is your biggest. Yeah, well, no, well, PR is our biggest, not necessarily in terms of our dollar investment, but it is, it is one of our most effective channels. And um, I think as you'd find with, you know, many PR teams, they're very adept at, at um, uh, performing miracles on relatively small budgets. But what I'd say is in the year ahead, um, there's a few things that are going to be key to our marketing mix. Um, certainly our, uh, our campaigns and market and putting dollars behind our campaigns, um, and doing everything we can to make sure that the proportion of spend that is behind, you know, the paid media versus production in the next year or two, um, uh, is weighted heavily towards the media. Um, again, investing in PR, making sure that we're getting those stories, um, um, out there and making sure also that we are getting journalists and media 
um, and the right influencers down to Australia. So a key strategy for us in marketing, and in fact, a key strategy for us as a business is investing in our media famil programs, our international media hosting program, um, our broadcast production program. So getting people coming down here firsthand, experiencing Australia, showing, um, showing their audiences back in their own countries, how easy it is to get here, um, what a wonderful place it is to visit. And also, again, in this post-pandemic world, how ideal it is as a destination, you know, how safe, the open air, the spaces, etc. So, yeah, th that that is a key priority for us. Yeah, I'm imagining you have a little bit of competition from other um, uh, markets, other countries doing the same thing, right? It'd be pretty full on. We do. It, do you know what? I would say it has never been more competitive. You know, as we look ahead, um, we appreciate that there will be, you know, arguably fewer travelers. You know, people are a little more reticent to travel out of regions. So there's going to be a lot more competition for fewer people. You know, uh, you know, there's going to be, it's going to take time to rebuild aviation capacity. So we're very conscious of, of that. Um, and of course, yeah, other tourism bodies are uh, investing more money. They're being more creative than we've ever seen. Um, and it, look, in fact, Tourism Australia has a long history of doing, um, you know, really smart, really effective um, and highly creative uh, campaigns and, and marketing. We intend to continue that tradition. Um, we know that creativity is a key differentiator for us. Which countries, which countries um, will uh, give you the most, um, will keep you up at night, Susan, in terms of uh, most active and, and uh, your, your, your most competitive? And look, as always, again, being out of region, you know, markets like um, look, New Zealand, you know, markets like, uh, you know, the US, um, you know, California, Hawaii, Japan is a is a consummate competitor for us. They've, Japan has actually sucked up a lot of, um, uh, you know, international visitation over the years. They've become a very trendy destination. Um, but in fact, you know what, in the travel and tourism space at this point in time, I see anybody as a competitor. They're at least a creative competitor, you know, in, in the arena for, you know, really great ideas and for, you know, attention. I'm keeping my own eye on everybody. It's a very, it's a very competitive, very, very cluttered category. And it's important that we be as distinctive, um, you know, and uniquely Australian as possible, because I'm, I'm convinced we are the best destination on earth. And I just need to let that story shine in a really creative way. Um, we're, we'll, I'll leave you alone after the next two questions, Susan, but let's get a little bit, um, let's go a little bit tech, shall we, for a moment. Now, yes. TA, TA has had a huge project underway in customer experience and building a sort of a unified ID for travellers. I think I've got that right. We, I remember a conversation we had with your colleagues um, maybe 18 months ago. Um, where is that at and how's that playing out and how's it going to be used? Is it deployed yet? We've had a successful proof of concept in the domestic market. Um, we had really great results in how we, uh, you know, re-engaged and retargeted audiences off of Oz.com, off of Australia.com, our website. Um, you know, and built out, we built out a propensity model based on the behavior on site. Um, and we really wanted to understand, we needed to understand where customers are in the journey so we could understand what sort of content to serve them and also, um, uh, how we can move them through the funnel more quickly. Um, it was a very successful, um, proof of concept. We are looking to scale that now. Uh, we were able to drive higher leads off of those audiences because they were, again, much more engaged. Um, we are now looking at how we model that in um, our other markets. So I think we're looking at US and, or sorry, UK and Singapore as first test markets um, for us to build models. So what did you do, Susan? What did you do and what did you learn in, that, in that, that trial project domestically here in Australia? Again, building out a propensity model to understand um, what the, so when customers came to our website, 
understand looking at the various signals that they were giving off to understand where they were in the customer journey. Were those signals things like uh, timing or destinations where they wanted to go? What were the signals you talk about there that gave you that? Yeah, so so understanding what they yeah, so what they were looking for. So what pages were they coming into? Where were they staying? You know what. Uh, part of the website where they staying longest, for example, um, yeah, their engagement levels, um, and um, which are operators were they engaging with? Were they looking at hotels? Were they looking at our map, for example? You know, so yeah, we under- trying to understand the level of their level of understanding of Australia. Yes, and out of that, and out of that, you were able to, you know, with the propensity modeling, to your point, able to say, okay, uh, uh, person X is actually closer to wanting to make a decision to to do something than someone else who was just exploring perhaps. Yeah, correct. So do we show them do we show them additional parts of Australia or do we instead take them to a marketplace with a really great offer for example and then you know retargeting them off the back of that um, uh, you know, once they've left Oz.com, retargeting them then with advertising messaging as well to either bring them back to Australia.com or, in fact, to help um, push them again off to one of our uh, to one of our operators. And that that improved. Sorry, yes. I mean, what what happened as a result? Then you saw you saw your ability to to to, to generate better uh, responses and, and action. Better, yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. But so high, higher engagement levels, um, higher rate of um, click click throughs to our industry partners. So higher rate of leads to our industry. Um, so we're now we're just taking those learnings and starting to build out models for our international markets to make sure that the learnings that we have, you know, with the domestic audience are transferable. Understanding the nuances between markets as well, and whether again whether we've got the right content structure, the right content pillars to to support the uh, the customer journey. And um, we're trying to build it out uh, ahead of the, the our next brand campaign as well. Just making sure that we've, you know, we, yeah, that we've got all of those pieces in place as we start to roll out uh, in each of our markets. So, how do, how do you quantify the improvement on that by by doing this work? And so, how do you know it's better? It was a better. It was delivering better results. There are a whole set of engagement metrics. So are they engaging with the content? Are they are they going deeper into our site and looking for more information? But more importantly, are they are are we passing them off to our industry operators? Are we building leads? And are they engaging on the marketplace? Are they actually clicking through to book product? And you can follow that, and you can see whether they are indeed doing that all the way through the the, the, the funnel, all the way through that that journey. We so we depending on the operators that we're working with. So we have visibility with some, but not all. Yeah, it is tricky because of course we don't transact; we do hand off to uh, third parties to to sort of close the deal. Uh, but that is part of the project is going, how do we close the loop with that data and that information such that we can have full visibility? And is that the single or the unified ID that I talked about earlier? Is that part of that thing or is that something different? Yes, no, that is part of that. So so gathering you know, gathering information on consumers, getting them, to, you know, getting them to sign up and sign in, hand us their uh, identity data, making sure then that we can get a full picture of where they've been on the site and what information they're looking for. Um, and look, it's probably one of a few different projects that we're looking at to prepare for you know, the end of cookies and increased privacy. Um, yeah, I think all all brands are trying to find their way through the current wild west of that situation. Right, everyone's trying to crack the code on that, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, so final question for you, Susan, and I'll, I'll let you go and have some sleep, I guess, is the biggest challenges now for you, you know, like in front of you right now, 
what are your your biggest challenges uh, to getting to the points you want to get to in in, in the uh, inbound program? Oh, do you know, uh, probably hours in the week, you know, just needing, <laughs> you know, more more hours in the day, days in the week to to uh, to speed things along. Um, but look, I, again, I, I've got a team who is incredibly re-energized by the fact that the borders have reopened. You know, we're very passionate about inviting the world down to see, down to experience Australia. Um, you know, we've, we've got a, a strategy, we've got a campaign in development, we've got all of our partners lined up um, to, to make a, a huge success of this. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling quite confident. Yeah, great. Well, listen, I, I will let you go. It was a good fast update. I promised a fast update, and I think we've got all that with some really interesting sort of insight on, on what's going to happen. Um, stay safe, Susan, and good to talk. Oh, thanks, Paul. Good to talk to you too. Thank you. This MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.